Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Well, good morning and happy Easter. It is good to be with you today. I'm Brian Wilmarth. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, And if you're joining us online, we're so glad you're joining us today. Um, So Easter Sunday, we have a refrain that we often speak as Christians. So when I say Christ is risen, you say he is risen indeed. So Christ is risen. Amen. So we celebrate his resurrection today. Um, so if you are a guest with us today, we're so glad that you chosen today to join us. And, and thank you for making that, that time and that a priority today. We hope you feel a welcome today. Um, if you'd like to find out more about us, we'd love to meet you at the Connections desk. So out those doors and to the left is a desk right there. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have. But just to maybe like tell you a little bit about us real quick, we, um, we are a church that is all about making disciples. We want to grow deep with Jesus, and we want that to be true of every area of life. So next week, we're actually beginning a new series on relationships and how we work through reconciliation in those relationships. We all have those moments where we hit conflict, right? And maybe you even can think of one relationship in particular. It's like, man, I wish I knew a way forward here Next week, we're going to start a series where we're going to explore that and how do we navigate conflict within our relationships in the Jesus kind of way. So next week, that's what we're doing. So we invite you back. We'd love to see you, and we'd love to have that conversation together as we dive in. So just wanted to put that plug in there for you, uh, but we are so glad that you are here today. Well, now, as we turn our attention to God's word, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we celebrate today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. God, I pray that as we dive into your scriptures, we're not just looking at a book, but we're coming face to face with you and learning about who you are. God, I pray that we are marked and different because we have heard from you this morning. So, Lord, we want to receive from you. Teach us what it is that you want us to know today. Help us to see with new eyes. Help us to come to know you, not just about you, but come to know you in a little bit more of a deep way today. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we give our lives to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, every good story has a good ending, right? Like if you think about um, a movie that you've seen or a book that you've read and like it's a good one, it probably has a really good ending. You know, you think fairy tales as we grew up as kids, like we're told fairy tales and, and they lived happily ever after. We kind of long for that, right? Well, well, some stories, they, they end that way, happily ever after. But some stories, a good ending is actually not that happily ever after. Sometimes it comes in the form of a plot twist or, or maybe some kind of uh, tension that you're supposed to feel and wrestle with as the, the reader or the watcher, right? And so there's a number of stories out there that we could probably capture, but like Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, like, I don't know if you've been under rock, but like Vader is Luke's father. Like, whoa, okay, there's a, there's a twist right there. There's an ending to a story that's like, didn't see that coming. Or maybe take a couple of other movies, like The Prestige, a Chris Nolan movie, came back out like 15 years ago. Two magicians are kind of vying for the top spot. Who's going to be the best in the area? And, and you realize at the end, like, one of the magicians, what he was doing to pull off his trick was, was way beyond what you'd imagine, and it causes you to wrestle. 
Or, or take something like Planet of the Apes. They've been on Earth the whole time. Like, you know, whatever these different stories are, we, we have these endings. Well, one of the movies that I love, and I love the ending, is The Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if you've seen it, if you've watched it, but I love that story. Two prison inmates become friends. One of them is certainly innocent, but he's getting pulled into all this, and he's been incarcerated for years, and he, he does criminal things while in prison, but he works out a, a plan, out a system to escape, and he does. He, he, he gets out. He, he is now redeemed, and, and his other friend eventually goes on parole. Well, the, the movie ends with them reuniting in Mexico, looking forward to a life of hope and freedom. Like, what might God do next? That's the feeling that you have in, in this story. And I love that ending. And so, I'm curious, like, when you think about these different endings, like, you, you think about, like, man, they, they're leaving something there that we just want to cling to. Well, what about your life? If you were to view your life as a story, view it through that lens, What's the ending of your story? Like, where is your life headed? Now, I'm not talking about, like, how you're going to die. Please don't hear that. But, like, more, like, what is the kind of story, the kind of ending your life is going to have? How is your story going to play out? Today, we're going to look at a, at, at a letter from Paul where he addresses this kind of thing. And it's through the lens of Easter. Because I think sometimes, like, with ending concept, like, we're, we're trying to wrestle with that. We're trying to, like, what kind of ending do I want? Paul has an answer. He wants to address this particular question. And we're going to do that through the lens of Easter. So, to dive in here, I, I need to begin with a premise or begin with an idea. Um, it's this. We're, we're all looking for an ending. We want a good ending to our stories. We're all looking for that. And we're looking for it in different places. And, and maybe the way to kind of evaluate that is like, where do you give your time, your attention, that kind of thing? Maybe it's your job, your career. Like, okay, I, I, I want to, to succeed. I want to I be successful in my career. I want to kind of climb through promotions, like maybe arrive at this position in my company or wherever you work. Like, you have goals. And those goals are, are meant to bring about a certain kind of end, right? You're looking for something from your career. Or maybe it's your family. Like you, you, want, you, you love your family, you love like family time, and, and you really care about how your family is, and so you invest a lot of time in, in raising your kids. You want to make sure that they have access to all the different sports they want to do, and you will commit whatever you have to to give them like the good opportunities that you want them to have. Like you want, you, you want your family to have a good life. Or, or maybe you're a student, and you're trying to figure out, okay, like, here's how I want my life to be meaningful, to have purpose. Like, so I'm going to go to this college. Man, I got to get the grades, and I got to work hard and get some scholarships. So like, I want to go here so I can, I can take the next step towards. What is it that you are giving your attention, your time to? And maybe it's none of, none of those kinds of things. Maybe it's something else. Like, I, I want to write. I just, I love writing. I love writing blogs. Just like, you give yourself to that. We're, we're giving ourselves to certain things. I think to get certain ends. I think we're after something that's going to write a good story for us. We want a good ending. We're looking for something that's going to say, here is the end of my story, and it's good. I think what we're looking for, 
So we're looking for meaning. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for success. We want our lives to make a difference in some way, shape, or form. And so we're, we're giving our attention, we're giving our energy, we're giving ourselves to something we feel like will give us that. But here's what I want to tell you. Each one of those things that I just named, or even something that you might have thought of, it's not going to come through. Each one of these things cannot deliver on that good ending. It can't. It just, it's not going to come through for you. Now, don't hear me say, like, these things are good. Your career, your family, your hobbies, your interests, like, these are all good things. They are good. I think they can be gifts from God. But they're created things. They are not ultimate things. And good things, when they're not ultimate, cannot bear the burden or the responsibility or the weight of our lives, the meaning that we seek from them. They cannot come through for us to say, this is who you are. They will fall short. How do I know this? I think you know this when you're experienced of it. It's like, okay, if I, if I just get this next promotion, then, oh, but then you do. It's like, oh, well, what about this one? And, and there's always just a little bit more. Or, or family, like, man, you go on some great vacations, but like, you know those moments, like, I, we took our kids to Disney World a few years ago, and it's the first time I'd ever been, like, kind of crazy, like, I, I didn't go as a little kid and all that kind of stuff, and so finally I got to go, I take my kids, it's great, and, and I can think back to the moments where it's, oh, so cool, I get to ride this ride, get to meet Mickey, all that kind of stuff, and then all the times that you don't document with pictures, right, they're like, I'm tired, I want to go back, and it's, you think of those moments like, hmm, which story is in play here, Right? They're both in play. And because, like, this vacation will not say, like, oh, we're a great family. It will not come through on that. Maybe another place you can see it most clear is retirement. Like, for those of you who are approaching that age or you're already of age, or even if you're younger and you're kind of thinking ahead, like, retirement, is that, is that time where it's like, okay, I, I want to retire. I want to move towards this particular place. And so I'm going to work really hard so that I can have and you look forward to those times where you can be on vacation. You can spend time with your kids and grandkids. You, you can do it. It's like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. But I'm curious, what about until then? Or when that actually happens, does it go the way you think? More times than not, it doesn't. Let me give you another example. Tom Brady. He's the, the famous quarterback from the Patriots and then the Buccaneers. Um, if, even if you don't know football, you probably have heard his name. But he is arguably the best quarterback to have ever played the game. And, and it's, it's crazy to watch his story. So he, he'd been playing for a number of years. He just retired. Um, but he, he has had so much success. Well, um, a number of years ago, after he won his third Super Bowl, again, after his third, he won seven, after his third Super Bowl, he, he did an interview with 60 Minutes. And I kid you not, the, the language that he used was just like spot on for this idea. See, he had just won his third, he's MVP, like he's making all of this money, his contract's been extended, and, and everybody knows his name. I mean, he goes into restaurants and he's like, I, I have to be ready, I have to be on, like put on the face and all that stuff. Like, he's narrating all this. I kid you not, the words that he spoke when reflecting on all of this, God, is this all that there is? There has to be more than this. 
I mean, these are the literal words he's speaking in the interview. I mean, he's looking at all this. He's like, I've, I've achieved it all. I've done it. Like, I've, I've crossed that threshold. I have it all. And it's not all that it's cracked up to be. These, these are his words. And he's looking at it and saying, like, is there more? And the interviewer asks, like, well, what's the answer? And he's like, I don't know. He, he literally spoke that. Now, eventually, he's kind of said, like, well, what I appreciate most are, like, my friends and my family, like, these, these really positive relationships. And there's something to that, sure. But there it is, like, this guy, arguably, like, the pinnacle of the American dream, success in every version we can probably imagine, is getting to that and saying, is this all there is? There's got to be something more. Now, he's right to point to relationships, but there's one thing that he's missing. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But like this surfaces the question like, man, is there more? These things that we often turn to don't come through for us. They will not deliver. Like They will not write the ending of the story that we're truly looking for. We will not be able to find our meaning, our purpose, our fulfillment, our value from these things. Is there a place we can? Like, is there something that we can turn to that is going to write us a good story? Like, where can we turn? How do we get to have this good ending to our story? How do we get to have that? That's the question I want to throw out to you. How do we have the good ending to our story? There is a way. There is an answer. There is more than this. And that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, pull those out. Or if you want to pull out your phone, that's great too. The words will be on the screen. But, but we want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you're kind of getting used to your Bible, here it is in mine. It's kind of in the back portion here. So the New Testament, that's the back third. We've got several letters in there. We're looking at 1 Corinthians. Feel free to use your table of contents to kind of find where you need to be. But we want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here we get the Apostle Paul. He's the most famous missionary and church planner, and uh, he, he really launched the church forward after Jesus um, came on this earth, and, and he writes a letter to one of his churches. And we're going to read a portion of that letter. So be, follow along with me. We're going to read verses 1 to 6 in chapter 15 to start. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the good news I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this good news, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Then verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So what Paul's doing here is he's reminding the Corinthians, this is the most important thing. Here is what this whole thing is all 
about. So I want to walk through this text a little piece at a time and just highlight a couple of things for you. So back to verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the good news that I preached to you. Good news. It's as if someone's coming into town and saying, hey, I've got great news I want to share with you. Because back then, that's what it would have been. This word refers to someone who's coming in from the battlefield and saying, we have victory. There is good news. This is good news for you. The king has won victory on your behalf. Good news. And he's saying this like, I've given you good news. Like, this is what you've wanted to hear. But then he says, this is what you've received and on which you have taken your stand. Imagine somebody who's standing on something, like a foundation, like a rock or whatever. Like they're, they're building their lives. They're standing up on something. That, that's what Paul's talking about here. On this, this is what you've taken your stand. This is what you're building your life on. It's this. So let's keep reading. Verse 2. By this good news, you are saved. Good news in three words. You are saved. Paul is talking about the salvation message of Jesus. What Jesus has come to do, he's come to save us. You see, the world, it's, it's been broken. God created it good. Everything is supposed to be just so. And we as human beings, we decide to go our own way. We want to do things on our terms, in our strength. We want to do it the way that we want to. And that, unfortunately, has led to brokenness. It's led to evil and injustice. People treating each other the way that we're not supposed to be treating each other. There's hate and violence, poverty, war. All of these things are because we go our own way. We call this sin. That's what that word means. And it brings all of this in, into our minds. Everything that is wrong in the world, it's broken. And because of that, death now exists. Death has come into the world. It doesn't belong. It's not supposed to be here. But here it is. We all die. We all suffer. That is the bad news. But here... Paul says, there is good news. You are saved from all of that because of Jesus. You are saved. You no longer have to suffer under all of that. You are saved. And here's how. So he goes on in verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing. This good news, this you are saved idea. Here is the most important thing. And here's what it's all about. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. See, God, all of this that's been happening was part of his work. He's like, I'm going to do something. I'm pointing forward to it. I'm going to tell you, like, here's what I'm doing. And Jesus comes in and actually does it. What does he do? He takes all that brokenness, all the injustice, all that is evil, all that is wrong in the world, and he puts it on his shoulders, and he says, I am going to take all of this in me, in my very body, and I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to give up my life. I'm going to trade places with you. I'm going to give you my life. And I'm going to take all that that is wrong in this world into me. And by doing that, he undoes all of its power. 
All that is wrong in the world, he takes its power away. He even does that with death. By dying, he undoes the power of death. Jesus died to break the power that holds all of us. That's what he came to do. He died for our sins. Then verse 4 goes on. That he was buried. Not that he just go to the cross and kind of do something magical like, no, he, he was buried. He was dead. He was dead. They put him in a tomb. They rolled a big stone in front of it. He, he was dead. But, but, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. See, not only does Jesus die for us, takes away the power of all that is wrong in the world, takes away the power of death, he then vindicates it, proves it, and brings something more to the table. He brings life. He is resurrected. He comes back to life to show that he has power, has authority, and to give us life. No longer is death just simply defeated. Now life is reigning. Life reigns and, and is elevated. Like this is the way things are now because he was raised. He was raised from the dead. Now before we think of like, okay, that's kind of cool or whatever, here's what Paul says next in verse five. Then he appeared to Cephas and to the 12. So Cephas is Peter's other name. And that's who he's talking about, Peter, one of the famous apostles. And the 12, the disciples, the apostles that followed him for those, those few years. He appeared to them, but not only to them. So verse 6. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. So Jesus, he shows up to his followers. It's like, here I'm back. But not just them. He, he shows up to 500 people. And Paul makes a comment here. At that time, he's writing this. Some of them are still alive. Like, you can go talk to them. They are testifying. They're, they're testimony. Like, I was there. I saw it. I can tell you. It happened. Jesus showed back up. He was raised from the dead. Like, I saw him. They're offering testimony. But then he mentions this. But some have fallen asleep. Now, what he's not talking about is they're not taking a nap. Like, you know that, right? Like, this is an image. They died. They have died. But notice Paul didn't say they died. He's talking about the resurrection, and he uses this metaphor of falling asleep. See, what, what Paul's talking about is they're, they're going to be woken up. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to wake some people up. They're asleep. They're not going to stay dead. They're going to get back up. That is what Paul is pointing to. And so I want to flesh that out just a little bit more. If you would, jump down with me to verse 20 in chapter 15. Let's read a couple more verses to, to kind of flesh out what, what Paul's talking about here. So verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the first fruits. So like this is an agricultural image. Like if you plant a garden or if you're a farmer, you know like there at some point some plants grow a little faster than others. And so when you kind of go out and harvest, you get your first pass at your crop, at your fruit. 
It's like the apple tree is producing apples. Like, oh, there's a few that are ready. So like, I'm going to pick those. There's a few that still need a little more time. Christ is the first fruit of a greater harvest. He is, he is the one who's like the first of many to come. Here's the first apple we pick from the tree. There's going to be many more. And what, what Paul is pointing to is like many other people, are, they're going to be woken up. Again, the asleep language. Verse 21. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And what he's talking about is here in verse 22. For as in Adam all die. Because Adam showed up, kind of did his own thing, his own way. He, he broke how things are supposed to be. He violated the order of things. And that is where death comes in. All the way back at the beginning, humanity decided we want to go our own way, and that's what introduced death. It's through him that we all now experience it. But the same kind of way, through one other, Christ, we can be made alive. That's what Paul's pointing to. Just like Adam introduced death, Christ now introduces life. That's what he's talking about. So, verse 23. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Paul is showing us that our story can have this end as well. Like what Jesus has done, he's been resurrected, he's come back to life, he now can offer that to those who trust him. To those who belong to him, like this, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you resurrection. Paul is talking about this message of good news that if we follow Jesus, if we trust him, this is what he's going to give us. He's going to give us life. He's going to give us hope. He's going to give us fulfillment. His resurrection is the signpost that points to our resurrection. So here's what I really want you to see. Jesus offers you the best ending to your story, resurrection. That's it right there. The thing that we most long for, most need, Jesus offers. If we come back to our stories, often we're trying to find the ending of our story in a variety of things. Again, they're not going to come through. You could be a Tom Brady. You can have it all, and you're going to feel like, is this all that there is? They're not going to come through for you. Jesus will. His resurrection will, because it's what we're made for. We are not made to die, to perish, to, to cease. We are made to endure with him. The one thing that Tom Brady did get right, he's like, well, the thing that makes me most happy are my relationships. Yeah, it is our relationships, but one in particular, with the God who loves us, with our creator who made us and designed us. It is with him, that relationship, that we get to endure in forever. See, Jesus, he shows up and he says, I want to be with you forever. So, will you trust me? Will you come with me? Like, that's what I want to give you. I want to give you life and relationship with me forever. And it's going to be rich and meaningful. The thing that we're looking for from, from 
our lives, from, from the things that we trust. We're looking for meaning, significance, purpose, fulfillment. That is what Jesus offers us. It comes with him. These other things, they'll fall short. But Jesus, he will come through because he has overcome death. That is the good news. Jesus is writing a better ending to your story. So, how do we take hold of that? How do we actually like, embrace this reality? Here's two thoughts for you. The first one is this. We've got to trust in him. And we've got to give ourselves to him. That's where it starts. Like We, we are to turn our focus and attention to Jesus. We're to trust in him. If we trust in our careers, we trust in our families, trust in other people, we trust in our skills, like all those things are going to fall short. They're not going to come through for us. We have to put our trust, our focus on Jesus. And so if you've not made that choice before, like that's not a conscious decision that you've made, Paul is calling us to take that step. Here's where it is. Trust in Jesus. Now, you might be here and you're like, okay, I've kind of heard this before, but I'm not sure what I think about Jesus. Or, or maybe I like Jesus, but the whole church thing, like, I don't know. I've got questions. That's okay. Hear me say, that's okay. If you're not sure on some things, if you've got some hang-ups or some questions, there's just some things that don't make sense, that is okay. Paul is not telling you, you got to have everything figured out. I'm telling you what's most important. It's this. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised back to life. Start there. And the way you do that is by asking your questions. Like, Jesus, all right, help me understand this. Begin to pray that kind of prayer. Like, here are my questions. Begin to answer them for me. Now, it may not come like that. It may take a journey or kind of a walking out, but that's the way that God likes to work. He wants to walk alongside each and every one of us right where we are. So your answers might come over time. They might be quick, but they're likely going to come over time. So how do you actually engage in all that? We ask you to join us. Come back next week. We'd love to see you here, and we'd love to begin walking alongside you as well. Like this place... This group of people, we want to walk together in exploring our questions, kind of figuring out what this whole Jesus thing is all about. We don't have it figured out, but the barrier to trust is not having all the answers. Will we take the step towards Jesus and begin to trust him? Come back and do that with us. Let us know, like, hey, I want to figure this thing out, or, or I'm kind of ready to take that step. Let me know that. Let us know that we'd love to walk alongside you and kind of show you the way. That's what it looks like. So if you're ready to take the step, let me know. Let us know. We'd love to begin walking with you. So trust in Jesus. Give yourself to him. That's number one. But number two, for many of us, we've already made that choice. We've begun walking that. So what does it look like for us? It's this. Order your life around him. Order your life around him. I think a lot of times we, we order our lives around other things, our careers, our families, the things we've already talked about. How do you know? Look at your schedule. 
Look at your time and your attention. What are you giving your focus to? That likely is some of the more important things in your life. The way this works best is to put Jesus as number one. Order everything around him. Let your schedule, let your time, let your focus be dictated by him. Orient it to him. Now, what I'm not saying is you got to be in church every day of the week and, and studying the Bible eight hours a day. Like, that's not what I mean. What I'm saying is that everything starts with Jesus. You go to work from a posture of following Jesus. It's not some things like, okay, I go to church on Sunday and then I've got, you know, my work week and then I got my family time. I hang out with my buddies. Like, no, no, no. You have those things, but they are oriented to Jesus. Jesus, how do you want me to be in these kinds of things? What kind of worker do you want me to be? What kind of father or mother, husband or wife, brother or sister, what kind of child am I with my family and my friends? That should be dictated by Jesus. We order everything around him. We orient everything to him. So take some time to evaluate. Where are you spending your time, your attention, your money? These things tell you this is where my importance lies. This is what is most important to me, where my priority is. Begin to reorient that to Jesus. That's how this goes. So if you want to write a better story, if you want a solid ending to your story, trust him and order your life around him. Because bottom line, the thing that I want you to hear today is that Jesus, he offers you a better ending to your story, and it's resurrection. It's resurrection. That is what he came to offer. Will you take hold of it? Will you trust him? Will you set aside these other good things and put him first and then allow everything else to subsume under that? That is the challenge and the call. That's what we're faced with. Will we pursue this? Because if we do, then we're going to have the ending to the story that we long for. Jesus offers us a better story, and it's resurrection. I want to end by reading the end of the story according to Mark. So the Gospel of Mark, he's one of the Gospel writers. He takes this account of Jesus, and, and this is how he ends in Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? Verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There, there you will see him. This is the ending of the story.